was traveling all around the world going to these amazing, incredible, uh, remote, uninhabited islands to shoot that I completely saw it covered and trashed with plastic. It's things like like knitted dishcloths and then knitted like hand knitted um, makeup wipes are a great reusable option. And it was so funny for me. I was going, this is so cool, like such a great concept. And somebody said, oh, my nan used to make them. If I really cared about the fact that you know my thighs rub together, then I wouldn't be out there in a bikini walking the beach cleaning up plastic yeah. or talking to people about the differences they can make in the ocean space and around ocean conservation because I'd be too hung up on what I thought people thought about my body. Hey guys, I'm Alex Davies, Features Editor at Women's Health Australia, and welcome to the new episode of Women's Health Uninterrupted. And today we're doing things a little bit differently, with two guests joining me in the studio. These women are some of the most passionate and driven people I've ever met when it comes to sustainability and showing the planet some love. First up, Laura Wells, a presenter, model, climate activist and ocean lover. Laura uses her platform to advocate for social and environmental change. She's got degrees in biological science as well as law and has worked with the likes of Greenpeace and the Boomerang Alliance. In short, she's about empowering us all as individuals to make a difference. And next up, we've got Lottie Diel, who actually used to work on the digital team at Women's Health. And alongside her day job with us, she launched two businesses. One of those is Banish, an online education platform and store selling eco-friendly products. Lottie was inspired to create it after taking on her own 31-day waste-less challenge, something we'll talk about more later. And earlier this year, she took the leap to focus on Banish full-time, so it's great to catch up with her back at Women's Health HQ. Right, Laura and Lottie, thanks so much for being here. And it's cool to have two people with me in the studio today. Um, Laura, we've met before, obviously, when earlier this year you took part in the Fitfluential shoot for Women's Health. And Lottie, obviously, we used to work together at Women's Health. But have you guys, you've met before, right? Yeah, no. So we met um, in June this year at the Climate Reality Leadership Corps mm -hmm. training in yeah. Brisbane. Yeah, it was great. Um, that was You were there as a participant, yeah? And I was there as a mentor. I've done the training a few years ago and it's all about getting people on board with climate and understanding how they can influence their circles of influence around them to do better and create a better future. So did you enjoy the training? I loved it. And it was just amazing. I think seeing and hearing Al Gore in person was kind of like a dream come true. And he just blew every kind of expectation out of the park. Yeah. Climate reality has been around for over 10 years and he started that um, yeah over a decade ago. And he is an amazing orator and he just he draws you in with his knowledge and the way he speaks and his influence and you can do nothing else but take it in and then want to spread that message too. It's really, really engaging. Awesome. And I was saying to you guys before that I was really excited to have you both in together because I feel like you two speak about environmental awareness and sustainability in a way that's so passionate but also really accessible and I think to all of us and I'd love to know maybe just starting with you Laura what kind of got you to a place of caring so passionately about the planet what kind of opened your eyes and drove you I guess? Yeah I grew up in Sydney in Cronulla uh, surrounded by beach and bush and spent a lot of time uh, doing surf club every Sunday so that was kind of like my church I guess. You're going such a to water baby I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, and then I I love science and I love biology at school and I decided to study a degree in biological sciences and I just loved learning about our natural spaces and world around us, how we interact with them, um, how they influence us, how we influence it and what's happening with those connections into the future. And I learned that, I studied that, I loved it, but it wasn't until I moved overseas to New York uh, 
to model that I was traveling all around the world going to these amazing, incredible uh, remote, uninhabited islands to shoot that I completely saw it covered and trashed with plastic and plastic not only from um, recent use but plastic from 30, 40 years ago and it really opened my eyes to what we were doing to the planet right here, right now and how long that was lasting for. So, um, that kind of switched in me to understand what I was doing and then learn how we're all affecting our planet and co- go back to science really and, and understand it and help facilitate that change in other people as well. And obviously that was a while ago because I feel like environmental awareness has become a really big thing now. I feel like it's really risen now in the public consciousness, but obviously that was a while ago before it was really trendy, so to speak, that you were actually having these realizations. Yeah, well, I studied in, I finished studying in 2008 and after six years. And then uh, when I was modeling it back then and having those realizations, that was probably, yeah, 2009, 2010. So it was a decade ago, basically. But, um, you know, it's, it takes a long time to change and foster behavior change in people. I'd like it to happen faster, but uh, we're getting there. And I have seen exponential movement in the last couple of years, which is fantastic. And I know you've been on some pretty fantastic projects and initiatives and things that you've worked with in groups. And I was reading about one you went to, was it last year you went to Antarctica? Yeah. Is that right? Which must have been mind-blowing. It was. <laughs> Can you tell us, paint a picture of that? Tell us about that. Uh, Antarctica is a place like nowhere else on earth. Uh, I was lucky enough to do seven continents in one year, which was pretty incredible. Wow. And Antarctica, I left a piece of my heart there. Uh, it's very monotone, but it's so surreal and serene. And it is at the forefront of climate change. And that's what I witnessed there. I witnessed receding glaciers and exposed land masses that were never seen before that used to be under, you know, hundreds of meters of ice, uh, penguins, whales, seals, just, yeah, it really does expand your mind to another realm to understand how we're affecting the species around us and what we need to deal with in the future and how we can survive as well. But uh, I went there with 80 other women in science from 17 different countries between the ages of 22 and 65 on a Women in STEM leadership course. And it was incredible. And it really changed my outlook on life and how I want to proceed and help other people foster that change as well. And getting to see amazing animals as well. Oh, I yeah. some of your photos. Yeah, yeah. up close and um, personal with penguins, like sitting in my lap. Um, <laughs> uh, humpback whales, you know, blowing in our faces. I know that sounds disgusting, but you know, <laughs> I amazing. like that. I'm happy with that. That's fine. <laughs> and then lots, what about you? Because I know you've written about this a bit recently for Women's Health, the magazine. And tell us a bit about what kind of sparked this passion and drive in you. Yeah, well, I was actually writing an article for Men's Health um, magazine last year, and it was all about kind of New Year's resolutions, but then also following Mark Wahlberg and his crazy daily routine, which is pretty much like waking up at four o'clock and praying and doing all of this stuff and working out 10 times a day. So I did the first day um, after I decided that one of my New Year's resolutions for last year was to reduce my waist. First day of waking up at four o'clock in the morning, I kind of woke up and what do you do at four o'clock in the morning? There isn't really a whole lot out there. Um, it was just so quiet. So I was just thought, oh, okay, well, I'll just see what my next kind of sustainable swap could be. And it wasn't until I did some research into it that I realized how much research needed to go into finding 
all of the products that were sustainable, but then also there was just no education and information out there to make it really easy for people who didn't know what they were doing. There was some great information for people who were already doing a great job. And in the really, there was a lot of science and a lot of really great statistics, but for the everyday person, there wasn't any information. And I kind of thought, well, if we need people to make a change, which we do, it has to be simple, it has to be easy, and it kind of has to be so simple that they can't not do it. Mm. So that was why I decided to start Banish kind of on that 4 a.m. morning. I just wrote all of these notes, all of this idea, and then two weeks later it was built and ready to go, which was pretty crazy, and it took a lot of convincing to kind of get all of these people on board from my kind of tiny little idea, but once I explained to them the concept and why I was doing it, they were all just saying, yes, this is exactly what we need, this is what everybody needs, what Australia needs. So it's been a whirlwind since then, Um, but, yeah, I'm absolutely loving it. Because I know you did your own waste-free challenge before that, right? Like, so kind of you challenged yourself to take a month and see if you could cut waste out of your life completely. And I know that was a big eye-opener for you, right? It was. So I did one week completely zero waste. And because I saw everybody on Instagram that had the jar and I went, oh, great, good for them. Maybe I'll get my own jar. And it was so difficult. It was one of the hardest things I've actually done. And there was just so much waste that I just didn't even think about. Something that I, that I think was like one of the biggest things I took away from the week was things like tea bags. I could I didn't eat out for the whole week. I was not eating snacks. I really literally ate, I think I ate a couple of bananas and I kept the peels and took them home with me. Like, it was just ridiculous. And I thought, okay, so this isn't really achievable for every Australian, but there is a lot better that we can be doing. So I think it was it really opened up my eyes to the way of communicating it to people. And if we can all do something better, it's better than a lot of people doing being perfect. I remember you were in the office even just giving us tips and things as you were going and learnings you were having. So and it does kind of filter around so easily when it's little tricks and hacks here and there. Uh, yeah, and I think it's kind of like if you look at uh, like oh, when you start a diet or we, you don't really want to start a diet or lose 10 <laughs> kilos in one day, but you can slowly start going to the gym more or you might kind of start you, having half a sugar in your coffee instead of, of whole sugar in your coffee. I think looking at sustainability and or cutting down your waste is quite similar psychologically because you can kind of go to using a reusable coffee cup um, five days a week. It might not be seven, but it's five days a week and then start using a reusable water bottle more. So I think it's so slow, small, changes that will make a big impact because you'll look back on your life and you'll go, oh, can't believe I used to drink from plastic straws six months ago. Well, that's what I'm doing at the moment. And I think, yeah, it's just about being like looking back at how far you've come and knowing that that's enough and that we don't have to be perfect all the time. I remember you actually um, introducing me to a quote and I was going to read it out by Anne-Marie Bonneau, who's a zero waste chef and advocate. And you introduced me to it. And I love the idea that we don't need a handful of people doing zero waste perfectly. We need millions of people doing it imperfectly. And, you know, for both of you, I guess, how true is that? Oh, yeah, that's incredibly true. I mean, forming habits takes time. And so, congratulating yourself on the fact that, you know, you're taking these baby steps and you master one and then you move on to the next one. So you go from your coffee cup to your water bottle to the straws, the paper, like the plastic bags, getting rid of those. So um, it is really important that we have a whole bunch of people, every single person doing little things to make a difference, to add up. And um, the more you do, the more you want to do. It's like you keep challenging yourself and then you're subconsciously uh, affecting the people around you because you don't have to go out there and preach about it or, you know, wring someone's neck for using a plastic bag and tell them that they're killing all the sea turtles. <laughs> you 
just go and do it. And people see you do it and then they understand that they can make that change too without you ever having to utter a word. I think it's funny on that when I, because I use produce bags and I go to Coles and Woolworths now because I still shop there because I don't have access to kind of farm fresh vegetables like I would love to. And it's so funny when I pull out the produce bags every single time somebody asks me, oh, hey, what's that? It's not me kind of standing next to the roll of plastic bags that are still in the fruit fruit section saying, you cannot use these ever again. (laughs) It's just by leading by example, people kind of go, oh, that's really cool. I could do that next time. Or I'll use the mushroom bag if I forget the paper mushroom bags for everything else and then everybody will kind of go oh why wouldn't I just do that next time yeah I'll have a naked trolley yeah (laughs) no plastic in your trolley um I've got the same thing with this uh reusable cup that I use but it's collapsible and I take it I fly a lot unfortunately and we've just had this discussion but that's a story for another day Um, after this uh we and so my collapsible cup I use that on the plane just for water or coffee or anything and it starts so many conversations with the random people next to me with all of the flight attendants every time I've pulled it out they just think it's amazing so it's just yeah those little acts that really do change other people's perceptions too And I think people are becoming like, I feel like we've seen this much more conscious about eco issues and things where perhaps it wasn't as widely spread before among the general public, among people like me and things. Do you agree? Like, do you feel like there's been this big boost and what do you think's actually driven that? Huge, huge changes, which has been amazing. Since I moved back to Australia in 2012, I started working on a few different environmental campaigns. mainly around plastic bags, uh, banning those in New South Wales, and also around container deposit uh, legislation, which is where you get your 10 cents back on the bottles and cans that you recycle now through the reverse vending machines, uh, the return and earn scheme in New South Wales. But that took over a decade to get that legislation through. But that was people power. That was organizations, not-for-profits working together, using people power on the ground to spread the messages, to get signatures, to educate people. You know, I volunteered so many days of just going out to do community talks and working with the public on the weekends to show them what it would mean if we got rid of all of this litter off our streets and you could actually make money from it too. And that people power drove legislative change, which is amazing. And that people power and social media I find now is just so amazing to drive and foster change. So you're driving it and you're getting this big mass down the bottom from a a bottom-up approach to facilitate a top-down approach with policy and legislation through government. And the more people we get in that bottom, that big crowd, you know, making a noise and doing their thing and asking for the change, the better we're going to be and the faster it's going to happen as well. It's happening fast. I guess we touched on it a bit already about that idea of, you know, making the small changes and it doesn't have to be about being perfect because I think a big thing can be as someone coming to it quite, you know, fresh is that it can be overwhelming because you really do want to make a difference. But then there's so much to it. You know, you can think, okay, maybe I'm going to go a bit more plant-based and eat a bit less meat. And But then you find out that, you know, maybe having too much of this avocado, whatever, is driving up prices for farmers or the almond milk uses too much water and then suddenly you're like, oh, maybe it isn't a good thing. And it can feel like trying to sort through so much that it can almost be a bit of paralysis by analysis, I guess. And what do you guys think? How do you, I know it's a big question, but how do we navigate ourselves through that worry about, you know, trying to do everything, everything we can? I just don't think there's a one-size-fits-all approach. I don't think that you can look at somebody else and say, okay, because you're plant-based, you're doing better for the environment because they might use single-use plastics a lot more than you do. And I think you need to look at your lifestyle and what changes you can make. And 
yeah, I just don't think comparing yourselves to others is going to help anybody, especially not yourself. And it will lead to that kind of paralysis where you don't do anything at all. And I think it just comes back to, again, doing something is better than nothing for all of us. And eating is a great way to kind of help your um, ecological footprint and your climate impact. But then also plastics for me is a massive problem. Well, it's one of my kind of passions, I guess you could call it. So that's something that I probably do better than a lot of other people, but then I fly more, as Laura was saying before, than a lot of other people do. So kind of it all balances out, but doing something is better than nothing. Yeah, I totally agree. Like So many people are fast to condemn and we see that happen a lot with celebrities who speak out against climate change or, you know, for instance, um, the one that comes to mind is Leonardo DiCaprio. He gets bagged for flying around a lot for his work and, you know, his downtime, but he has been on the climate change bandwagon for almost 20 years. He, you know, he's been on the forefront. He's actually making change. And for people to sit there and point a finger at the little things he does, they don't know the whole story and you never know anyone's whole story. So just, I think, let's be positive. Let's congratulate people for the things they're doing. Take that on board. Don't take it as a, as a negative and, you know, try and be better yourself. And just compete with yourself to be better rather than other people. And then we'll all have a much healthier future. Yeah. And healthier relationships with each other, I guess. Yeah. And and healthier mindset. You you know, I think in order to be healthy, you need to have a healthy mind, a healthy body and a healthy environment. And if one of those three factors are missing, then you're essentially an unhealthy person. Um, And to facilitate all of that, then we need to work on all of those aspects, including ourselves. So speaking of things we can actually do, I'd love to talk to you about the Waste Free Challenge and Laura, any tips you have as well. What are some of the best kind of tips and tricks you learned from that, I guess, that anyone listening and that we can all take away? So I think the Waste Free Challenge, again, as I said, it was quite difficult, um, but it is just the small changes and the small steps. So kind of for me, it was changing my shopping from, I still buy most of my fruit and vegetables from Coles and Woolworths, but I don't buy anything in packages or plastic bags. And I've gone back to now, I'm making a lot of my own things. I'm making a lot from scratch. So I'm making my own bread and sauerkraut and yogurt and milk because that's all packaged foods. So it's just kind of going back to what we used to. It's These aren't really new, con- well, they're new concepts to me because I didn't grow up in that kind of era. But for a lot of other people, they're brand, they're, they're old concepts. We're just, we're just going back to using glass. We're going back to using cardboard. We're go, going back to not using anything at all, which is traditionally what we had to do. So I think for people is it's just kind of, yeah getting back to what we kind of were used to doing so it's kind of growing your own vegetables if you can and it's just yeah I even remember you saying about like talking about what we used to do like you were talking about a lot of the beauty and bathroom swaps we can do as well and about instead of using plastic razors that we go through like a dime a dozen you can get like a metal safety razor that maybe your granddad would have used but it will last forever like you may still have your granddad's one you know so things like that they're awesome just don't take them through security at the airport they make you every time i lose my blade (laughs) i know i've done that as well there's a good chance to talk to security and be like well did you know why i'm using this (laughs) Um, and i also think it's things like like knitted dishcloths and then knitted like hand knitted um makeup wipes are a great reusable option and it was so funny for me i was going this is so cool like such a great concept and somebody said oh my nan used to make them they're just like screenshotting them and sending them to grandma to kind of knit up a couple for them, which is great. And I then love that. going back to bars of soap, 
So there is shampoo bars, which have now mm. become a massive trend. But also, also just a bar of soap to kind of wash the rest of you is just absolutely perfect and does the job. It's a little bit slippery, but it's fine. <laughs> and you told me some cool stuff as well best about laundry and ways that you can kind of use certain products and things to stop uh, microplastics getting into waterways. And can you guys tell me a bit about, you know, microplastics is a big term people hear, but what actually is the problem with that? What actually are they? Like, and how can you kind of reduce the impact we're having in that sense. Yeah, microplastics are, um, designate the size of the piece of the plastic itself. So a microplastic is anything under five millimeters basically in diameter. Um, and when we wash our clothes, especially our synthetic clothes, they're made out of plastic. So our nylon, our polyesters, they're plastic oil-based um, materials and fabrics. So they actually shed fibers when we wash them and when we wear them. And these are called microfibers um, and they end up in our waterways. So when we're washing our clothes, you know, they go through the washing system and into the sewer and then out into um, our waterways. And there's been a study done on Sydney Harbour a few years ago through the University of uh, New South Wales and finding these microfiber sediments, uh, microfiber pieces in the sediment of Sydney Harbour. And there was in a hundred mil sediment sample, there were 60 pieces of microfibers in there, which is incredible. That's a whole hell of a lot of plastic in a small piece of, um, of sample of the harbour. So there are ways that we can stop that happening because there are some clothes that we can't really get away from wearing that as synthetic. So that swimwear, we're, you know, we're not going to change over to organic cotton swimwear and, you know, look like we've shit ourselves <laughs> when we go to the beach uh, with a saggy poo bum. You know, we need to use synthetic materials for that sort of um for that sort of clothing and apparel. So washing those things in a guppy friend or using a Cora ball, they're items that you can put into the washing machine. So the guppy friend's a bag and you put the clothes in that and then you put the clothes in the washing machine and it collects all the microfibers and then you dispose of them in the garbage bin, not down the sink like (laughs) some people have done in the past. And the Cora ball's another great way. You put that in the washing machine and it collects the microfibers as well and then you can empty that out too. So um, they're just ways in which we need to think and I think that's a – you know, a step further down the line once people are on their plastic-free journey to get into that space as well. It's like the next big challenge to do, but it's a really easy one to do. Um, mm. And it saves a lot of plastic ending up in our waterways and our oceans and also into our food and then into our bodies. And I think just as well with the laundry as well, if you haven't invested in those two products, which are great, you can also just reduce the spin cycle mm-hmm. on your washing machine. It has a big impact in p- putting full loads of washing on because then you've got more, you've got less room for everything to bang around and to break off into those microfibers and then also reducing the temperature of your washing load is also a way to stop well not to stop but to reduce the amount of microfibers that are breaking off in your wash oh that's cool okay this gives me a good excuse for overloading the washing machine which I feel like <laughs> my boyfriend always tells me off for doing so yeah. And then we were talking as well about things like, I remember you saying about making your own food and things. And I know you compost as well, don't you? Which I remember when you told us about that in the office, I was like, oh my God, like my parents used to do that. I remember that. And talk to me about composting. Like, is that, that feels like something that you think, oh, only certain people could do that, but it's not the case, right? Well, that's exactly what I thought when I first started. And I think it's something like 40% of our um, red bins are filled with organic waste. Mm -hmm. So if we can be taking that and putting it in the ground or composting it properly, that's reducing our kind of waste by almost half. So there's a great app that I recommend called Share Waste. Oh my God, it's the best. (laughs) So I have a couple of, well, I was a Share Waste donor. So you register Mm -hmm. yourself on this app and it connects you with all of these people in your neighbourhood that have 
got compost bins who are willing to accept your waste. So I, when I was living in um, inner city Sydney, it registered myself. I had a couple of people that I would go around to probably every couple of weeks and just drop off my compost to them. And they've literally become my friends now. And it's really <laughs> getting back to that community feel and that just knowing your neighbors. So, and now that I've moved house, now I'm a, and I'm, I'm a share waste host. So people can come over to my house now and give me um, their food scraps to go in my worm farm and compost bin. It's a great way of reducing your waste almost instantly by just separating it into a different bin. And I think some of the councils I know in New South Wales are trialing a food scrap bin service because I know Sweden's been doing it for years and a lot of other countries. So hopefully we can then in the future, maybe we'll even just have a bin that is where all of our food scraps go, because if it does go into the tip and it goes to landfill, it creates um, methane gas. I love that what you were saying about the swapping and going to people's houses, because it reminds me, I know there was a a trend, I guess, a few years ago, I always remember doing it, where you would go to people's houses and swap clothes. And that was an attitude that we would have about keeping that sort of circular sense of fashion, that you're not just ditching the clothes you have and thinking, maybe they're not for me anymore, but does my friend want this stuff? And actually, maybe do I want some of her things? And that kind of community element actually plays so much into the impact you can have, but also your mindset as well, the relationships you have, like we were talking about earlier, is only a positive thing, right? Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, touching on that circular mindset and that's what's really important when we purchase things is to think about, okay, what am I purchasing? Yeah, okay, I need it, but where, what waste is there going to be and how do I deal with that waste? A lot of us have the blinkers on and we don't think about that at all. We just think about the product that we need, we use it and then, we never think about where the end of life is for that thing. You know, is it in landfill? Is it, can it be circular? Can it be reused? That's the mentality that we need to switch to and, and start thinking about because that's what's going to really make a difference to um, where we're moving to in the future. To climate change, like Lottie said, with composting and sending things to landfill, that's increasing our methane gas, which is a greenhouse gas, which contributes to climate change. So that's why it's important not to send foodstuffs to landfill that can be composted because then we're just regenerating our soil and not contributing to greenhouse gases. And even there's so many things that you can recycle that you wouldn't even think of, right? Because I remember like you talking to me, Lottie, about e-waste, so the electronics, straighteners, things like that, that you don't want anymore or maybe aren't working anymore and you can donate them or where do you send them? I was going to say, I know you can do something with that, right? So with e-waste, I know the city of Sydney have e-waste drop-off days where you can just go and you take all of your waste. There's also um, a great company called Mobile Munster, Mm -hmm. I think it is, um, and you literally just send them your old phone and then they're able to get rid of it sustainably. Well, often it gets broken down and then all of the pieces are then reused over and over again, which is great. Yeah. And talk to me as well, guys, about mentioned a few kind of brands and things. I'd love to know some brands you think are doing really great things in kind of their eco impact, I guess. So whether it's homewares, activewear, any fashion labels, are there any some that you really think, God, they're really fantastic? Yeah, there's um, a bunch out there that are doing great sustainable and ethical work. Uh, I really love Kit X. Uh, They're doing really great things in the space um, and educating their consumers at the same time around why they're doing it as well, which is really, really powerful. And um, First Base are doing some great work in the sustainability uh, field for athletics, Mm -hmm. like athletic wear, which is great. And um, um, Ali, who started that, she's amazing and her journey is all about sustainability and wanting to share that with her consumers and, and leaving a lighter footprint through how she makes her money and what her business does. So it's good to see that 
as one of the root foundations and values of their businesses and why they do it. And it hasn't been an afterthought. It's been part of their structure and how they started their business from the first place, which is really cool. She's really passionate. I know because I've met her a couple of times and I remember interviewing her and she was talking about some um, certain materials they were using for packaging that were sustainable and biodegradable and things. And she, it took her quite a while to be able to source that. And I said to her, are you going to keep it like a top guarded secret? And she was like, no way. She's like, if I will tell anyone who asks where I source this because I don't care if another brand uses it. We all have a good goal. The common goal here is to do our best by the planet. And if I can share some knowledge that helps that, then that's all the better. Yeah, that transparency mindset yeah. is imperative for us to be better and for other people to be better too. And it's a, such an applaudable uh, mindset to have for these brands like uh, First Base and Patagonia have been amazing with transparency because they're fostering other people to do that too and showing them exactly how to do it. And they've spent the money doing it and the time doing it and then just giving it away to other people to do too. So it's, um, yeah, it's a really, really positive move. Yeah. I think for me, it's looking at companies that are transforming. It's not ones that have started out being necessarily sustainable and eco-friendly because I think those are the ones that are reshaping their model and their business model. And sometimes it is for profit, but a lot of the time it's for purpose. And it's because they know that going forward, they want to be accountable for the impact that they're making on the earth. So I think for me, I actually really love um, Sunrise. So they're all Australian and all of their rice is grown in Australia, which when you think of rice, you kind of think of um, – Asian rice paddy fields. So it's nice to know that you're supporting an Australian um, business and then also looking at their packaging. A lot of it is in plastic at the moment, but they're moving towards making changes mm. and they're quite happy to admit that, yes, it is difficult, but they're trying to do better at the moment. So I think if we can look at companies that are making changes, then rather than just looking at ones that are necessarily completely um, eco-friendly from the get-go, I'm just thinking as well about, um, so say Mount Franklin and now all of their plastic bottles are made from recycled plastic rather than virgin plastic. So mm. yes, it's not a, it's not a sustainable option and it would be great to not have any plastic bottles at all, but at least they're changing their model to make less of an impact. Yeah. Talk to me about travel guys as well, because I always think about this. I went to, was very lucky enough to go to Hawaii early this year as part of a trip for women's health. And I met a group of school kids out there who were fantastic. And they have a club basically where they would go to the beaches once a week and clear up plastic on their local beaches. And they would, you know, these kids are like 11, 12 years old advocating for their school to reduce their plastic use. And it made me really think about the impact you can have when we go on holiday and um, what kind of thing can we do? What can we help with when we travel? There's so many things we can do when we travel. Um, and that includes obviously taking all of our reusables with us. So our water bottles, cutlery, cups, plastic, um, you know, reusable bags. And that really makes a difference on the ground, especially for uh, places like island nations, um, the South Pacific or Hawaii, for example, that have limited space, limited landfill, limited, limited infrastructure to actually deal with waste. And when majority of their GDP is made from tourism and we, they expect, and I guess tourists expect to have all those conveniences like they have at home, then it's really hard for those, those nations to actually deal with waste. So by taking our reusables, it makes a huge difference. 
And one thing that I always take with me, uh, because I do travel to countries that don't necessarily have potable water, so drinkable water, I take a UV light stick with me. So I can still use my reusable water bottle, fill up from the tap, use my UV light stick for a minute through the water, and it clears the water of any impurities or um, any nasties, and then it's drinkable. Wow. I'd never heard of that before. That's cool. Yeah, that's they're really cool. They're not very expensive. They last forever. And um, yeah, that's a staple in my travel kit. Yeah. <laughs> what about you lots? What, what do you do? Um, well, I think as well, single-use plastics, I agree with Laura, is a massive thing to combat when you're traveling. Um, and I've done the same thing on flights, taken my own cutlery, taken everything like that as well. But I also think when you are in these foreign countries, it's supporting local businesses mm-hmm. as well. It's not going to the local 7-Eleven to get something for breakfast. It's going to the super, the fruit shop or something and getting some of that local produce because you are supporting the businesses, which then enables their inf- infrastructure to keep on going and regenerating. Makes me think of you too, because I know you as well, you love kind of organizing walks and things or even yourself when you'll go running or jogging and you'll pick up plastic and rubbish and things as you go and I definitely feel like that's become a movement in itself that you see like you were saying the messaging across social media is a big thing that everyone you know we can go and do a workout and or go for a walk and we can just pick things up as we go and that does make a difference right yeah plogging is one of my favorite pastimes (laughs) plogging what does that stand for again it's meant it's I can't speak Swedish but it's meant to be plocker upper or something like that so it's kind of like the picking up in in Swedish so it's a whole kind of movement that took off last year, I feel like, and people really got involved and we're going down to do beach runs or kind of all around streams and waterways and picking up three or more pieces of rubbish, like the um, amazing charity Take Three for the Sea. They're messaging about when you're by water or by the beach, just taking three pieces of rubbish with you. But this is kind of taking it to the next level and just you're running over rubbish anyways. So just picking that up as you go. And there's a great um, organization that's just started off in Sydney actually called Get Fitter with Litter and they're bringing up they're bringing back the adopt a street campaign that we had years ago so they're just calling on Australians to say that they would adopt a street so I've adopted one around the corner from me and you just say I'm going to clean up that street once a week and that is your responsibility it takes me about five minutes to walk up the street that I walk to the train every day anyways and I just pick up a bit of rubbish on my way and again it's leading by example because I get people coming out of their houses saying oh thank you so much for doing that and then I've got the bag and I just say this is what I'm doing and then now people are in my area taking up the other streets as well so it's just yeah holding ourselves accountable for it it's a nice thing that kids can get involved in with something like that as well I think like you can get out your kid and kind of keep them active and things as well and it makes me laugh when you were saying about plogging because no joke the whole time I thought that was plastic jogging I thought it was just like (laughs) people are combining two words (laughs) (laughs) I'm like I like that I've learned something extra now as well I'd love to know from you guys as well um some good resources like if people are interested or feeling inspired you know whether it's podcasts books instagram accounts obviously other than your own you know what do you recommend is there anything that we could read or listen to you think is really great for educational just ideas yeah i think instagram is a great hub of um of solutions based for around you know reducing your waste and reducing your impact so following people that are actually doing great things and um making them majority of your feed, Mm. making the positive um, and solutions your feed is really important. Um, There's so many good books. And I mean, obviously, Marie Kondo is out there revolutionizing the world. Um, But if you're going to cut and cull like she does, then make sure everything's going to a good place. um, And it's not just going to landfill if it doesn't need to. Mm. 
And I think as well um, with Instagram is I think it is a great tool and a platform, but it comes back to that whole thing as well. Don't compare yourself to Mm. everybody you see on there. And it might look like they've got a great plastic-free lifestyle, but then they might not, like they're not going to be plastic-free. Well, a lot of people aren't plastic-free all of the time. So just make sure you're realistic with that and kind of, yes, they're leading a great example and do what you can rather than just saying, well, I'm not as good as Marie Kondo, so I may as well not even try. Mm. So, yeah, and I think as well when you're doing your research as well, just make sure that you there is a lot of greenwashing out there. And if you are overwhelmed, don't be afraid to ask questions. Ask brands questions. Ask them where they're getting things from. How If you're going to place an order with somebody, don't be afraid to ask them how it's packaged, how it's going to arrive, was it made in Australia, because they need to be asked these questions in order for them to change if they're not doing the right thing at the moment. Yeah. And I've had that experience and I do that quite often now. At first I was a little bit shy to speak up, but it's made such a huge difference to my psyche knowing that I know where things have come from and how they're packaged before I get them. But it's also changed um, some companies' mindsets on on what they do and and it's just given them the tools to know that their consumers actually are wanting this change and that they need to move and start doing that now as well because they are responsible for what they put out into the planet. Um, they're the ones making money off this. They're creating it. They're putting it out there. So they need to understand that it's their responsibility for end of life as well. And if they can make it better, then that's better for everyone. Mm. And both of you use this platform you have to raise awareness, to educate us and things. But I know it's not the only things you both talk about. And Laura, a big thing for you is body image. You know, we were talking about positivity in your social media feed. We've been talking about comparison, both things you can apply to body image, especially for women. And, you know, why is that an important kind of area for you, I guess? Yeah, I've worked as a plus size or a curved model for the last 13 years. And I've always been the same size that I am now, a a size 12 to 14 Australian. And that's just my body. That's how it is. And I've come to learn to accept that and not compare it to other people, um, which is something that's so easily done by a lot of people now. But my body allows me to do all the things that I enjoy, scuba diving, snorkeling, hiking, running. Um, and I had to learn to appreciate that, you know, big size and all. And that's, that's totally fine because I can go and do all these things that I love. And understanding that if we accept our bodies for what they are and what they do and not comparing them to other people gives us so much more time to go and do these things that we love and make a difference in the world. If I really cared about the fact that, you know, my thighs rub together, then I wouldn't be out there in a bikini walking the beach cleaning up plastic or talking to people about the differences they can make in the ocean space and around ocean conservation because I'd be too hung up on what I thought people thought about my body, which what they think about my body is not my business and it shouldn't matter to me. Um, if I'm happy and healthy and really, um, really love myself for who I am, then what other people think of me doesn't matter and I'm going to be the best person that I can be and the best person I can be is doing something for other people and for the planet for the future. Yeah, driving change and that kind of hundred percent. Yeah. And having fun adventures at the same time. Yeah. I was gonna say we were talking earlier about Laura's about to go off snorkeling or scuba diving with whales in a few weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Off to Tonga for three weeks to take people swimming with humpback whales, which is really amazing and teaching them about conservation and about whales themselves and um and I'll be in Hawaii as well, uh, kind of two weeks before that. So working away. Amazing. Yeah. And both of you, I guess you use your 
voice and you step forward and you take stances on things and that can be intimidating sometimes and what's your advice I guess for really having that confidence to use our voice put ourselves out there you know is there anything that really helps you you know in that kind of area for me when I do get negative criticism or kind of people lashing out, I think it's because they just don't understand. I take a very positive approach when I'm just going, it's just out of ignorance. They just don't know what's going on. When I first started talking about menstrual cups on Instagram, that was something that I never thought that I would do, but it's the one thing that I've got the most messages about. So it resonates with people, but it's also the thing that I'm going to get a lot of negative criticism about because it's gross and it's ugly and why would you do that to your body and all of this stuff. So I think you've just got to remember why you're doing this and I'm doing this to create a better and a cleaner environment. So that's the aim, end game. So if there's going to be a little bit of negative feedback on the way, then that's all right. Yeah, it's all part and parcel, isn't it, With especially with social media now. There's a lot of keyboard warriors out there that sit behind their computer and love and I don't know how they have the time to write all these negative comments to people. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if it's not for you, it's not for you. Don't worry about it. But – um, go and, and go and follow the people that you really resonate with and that have good messages that make you feel good. Yeah. Don't follow the people that make you feel terrible about yourself or make you compare yourself and make you, you know, wish that you were a different person. Follow the people that really uplift you, that give you good messaging, that make you want to be a better person. Um, because at the end of the day, life's too short to be comparing ourselves to other people. And there's so many experiences and great things out there to go and enjoy and, uh, and also, you know, facilitate change with as well and, and leave a legacy. And I think that's what we should all be looking at is how can we leave a legacy for a better world? I'd love to ask you both, I guess, before we wrap up is what are, if we were going to take a few things just from today, the key thing that you would each love us kind of take away from today? I don't want to be prescriptive. <laughs> But I do think that for me, breaking it down into bite-sized pieces has been the easiest. So looking at kind of go week by week. So set yourself a mini challenge for each week to kind of say, this week I'm not going to use any any straws. Or this week for me, I'm going to use public transport more than I drive. So it's just making those small changes and then next week I'll move on to something else, but then I'll still be using public transport more than I normally do. So that's probably the biggest thing for me is set yourself mini challenges and goals and don't try and do it all at once. And I would say, look at the thing that you're purchasing. Think about where it's going to end up and the impact that it's going to have. And you might not know that, but just think about where it will end up. And um, and is there anything in your wardrobe that you can continue to wear? And do you really need what you're about to purchase? Yeah, where can you extend the shelf life of something exactly. perhaps? Yeah. yeah. And also give the big middle finger to people that you follow that make you feel bad. Go and unfollow them and make yourself happy because you are you are the keeper of your own destiny and if you can't make yourself happy, then you can't rely on other people to do it either. Amazing. Thanks so much, girls. It's just been fantastic to have you in and so much food for thought and inspiration. And, yeah, I hope everyone out there listening, yeah, has got some good ideas to take into their week. So thanks, guys. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening to Women's Health Uninterrupted. We hope you enjoyed the episode and found something inspiring to take into your day. If you'd like to leave a review, we would love to hear from you. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss out on an episode. For more from us, pick up the latest copy of Women's Health magazine or check out womenshealth.com.au.